I do hope you brought your Bible. It's time to get it out now. And um, what I would really love to do, which would be mean, but uh, um, I, I would love to read you my text and then uh, ask you out of what testament does it come. But I won't do that. My text comes out of the book of Job, which is in the Old Testament, which is not a place where one normally turns uh, as a text for Easter. But um, you stay with me, and, and I, I think you'll see it. Um, you follow as I read, beginning at verse 23 of uh, Job chapter 19. Job 19 at verse 23 reads like this. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word of this will ever go unfulfilled. Guys, I hope you're having a wonderful Christian Easter weekend. <laughs> um, I think you're normally used to hearing some of the same emphases, and, and what I had intended or hoped to do is to offer you something new this morning, um, not new to wear, but, but new to think, something new to think about concerning, concerning Easter. And here it is. It's, a, it's an Old Testament word. It's a, it's a Hebrew word. It's the word goel. Now, don't you feel smarter already? I mean, aren't you glad you came? I mean, is this not some kind of, um, uh, is that not uplifting? No? <laughs> You're a rough crowd. Um, well, well, maybe it would help, perhaps, if I could tell you a little bit more about the word. Because it, in, it, it is a magical word. And here's the first thing that I want you to know about it, the, the word goel. When, when Job says um, in, in verse 25, for I know my Redeemer lives, when he says that, the Hebrew word, which is translated with the English word Redeemer, is the Hebrew word Goel. What Job says in essence is, I know my Goel lives. Job has a goel, and his, um, his goel lives. I know that I have a goel, and I know that my, go, that my goel lives. That's how Job, who, as you well know, is facing some pretty serious pain. He thinks he's about to die, and, and um, he thinks God is mad at him. And in the midst of that, he says... 
I know that my Goel lives. Now, guys, for those of you who are a little bit more demanding, a little want a little bit more for your money than just that, um, and if you're interested in a little bit more, let me let me offer you that. Um, let me point out that there are two stories in the Old Testament um, that center around this this concept of a goel. There is another person, there is somebody else in the Old Testament that had a goel. Do you know who that was? Well, her name is Ruth. Well, who's she? Well, there's a book in the Bible named after her, Ruth, the book of Ruth. It's right after the book of Judges, right before the book of 1 Samuel. And um, Ruth had a goel. And, and, and to understand that, it, in fact, it's in the book of Ruth where we get major insights as to what that word means. This whole idea of goel, what does it mean? Well, it's in the book of Ruth that we're going to find answers to those questions. But let me first kind of rather quickly tell you the story in the book of Ruth. The story of the book of Ruth uh, centers around a family of four. There's a mom, there's a dad, and there's two boys, two sons. And the whole family moves out of Israel, moves into Moabite, a Moab, which is an enemy nation. They move into Moab because they're trying to escape a famine. While there in Moab, the two boys marry two Moabite girls, one of whom is named Ruth. Now, soon after those marriages, the father of the family, he dies. And not long after that, the, um, the boys both die, which leaves the mother whose name is Naomi, um, and her two daughters-in-law. Everybody else is dead except the mother, Naomi, and the two daughters-in-law, which, as I said, um, one was named Ruth, and the three of them are destitute. Ruth, this Moabite young woman, ends up moving back to Israel with her mother-in-law, where they are both living on the edge of starvation. Now, at that point in the the book of Ruth, in the story of Ruth, the the storyline changes. And the rest of the book of Ruth is about a goel. Um, in fact, you could even substitute the word redemption or redeemer because that's what the way Job uses it in Job 19. He says, I know that my go- redeemer, I know that my redeemer lives. And the, the rest of the book of, of uh, Ruth is about redemption. In fact, the idea of a redeemer and redemption appears some 23 times in the, in the book of Ruth. And it's only a four-chapter book, and, and most of those 23 times 
occur in, in the last two chapters of the book. Um, but that theme of redemption, that theme of Goel, swirls around a man whose name is Boaz. Now let me tell you just a little bit about Boaz. He's a man, a good man, a righteous man, um, a wealthy man. He's a bourgeois landowner. And um, he steps in into this situation with Naomi and Ruth. And he does things for them, that is Naomi and Ruth. He does things for them that were completely unexpected and completely unrequired. The first thing that he does, that is Boaz, the first thing that he does is that he he uses his wealth to deliver and restore these two outcasts, this mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law, who, by the way, as I said earlier, they're starving. And one of them is a Moabite. What Boaz does is that he inserts himself into the situation. He inserts himself and comes in between Ruth and Naomi on one side and starvation on the other side. He puts himself in between two outcasts and the thing that is about to threaten their very existence. He also puts himself in between Ruth, a young Moabite girl, and some rather dangerous field hands that are in the, performing the harvest. But guys, the point is that Boaz goes to great extremes to not only feel the, uh, feed these two women, but he goes to great extremes to keep this family line from dying, saving these two from a hopeless poverty. Now, how does he do that? How does Boaz accomplish that? You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm a romantic. Some would say I am quite histrionic. If you don't know what that word means, it means dramatic. But um, at this point in the story, this is pure romance. (laughs) How, How does he save them from poverty? Boaz graciously finds a way to take her, that is Ruth. He takes Ruth to be his wife. There is no reason whatsoever to give this poor, alien, peasant, Moabite girl the time of day. But instead of shunning her, He marries her. And he marries her not because of some social duty, 
He marries her because he has fallen head over heels in love with her. Boaz moves heaven and earth so that he can find a way, (coughs) pardon me, so he can find a legal way to marry her. Boaz, at that point, becomes Ruth's Goel. Um, Having inserted himself and then having taken her as his bride, he is Ruth's Goel. What a romance. Again, I'm telling you that story about Ruth because I want you to better understand what Job means when he says, I know that my Goel lives. You see, Ruth had a Goel, and his name was Boaz. But Job has a Goel too. Now, you know Job's story. I think everybody knows Job's story. He was the poor stiff who who had it all and then lost it all, including his health. But guys, the climax, the apex of Job's story, his book, occurs right here in Job chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. And this apex of his book centers upon this mysterious and thrilling Goel. Where does Job even get that word? I, I, I don't know that. But he opens this little paragraph and he says this. Oh, that my words could be written down in a book. Oh, that somebody would take my words and engrave them in a rock and then pour lead in there. Because very frankly, what I'm about to say is so important. And then momentarily, he is lifted out of his despair and propelled into this kind of prophetic ecstasy. And out of nowhere, Job makes this triumphant shout of faith. And he says, I know that my Goel liveth. My Goel, he lives. This, this personal, divine, yet human is going to provide for me a necessary mediation between me and God. Job wanted people to know everywhere. And he wanted us to know. That's why he wanted it inscribed into a rock. He wanted us to know that when he died, and he thought he was dying, and To make matters worse, he thought that God was mad at him. But when he died, 
He wanted us to know that he died with the hope of a resurrection. Guys, Job does not see the grave as the the end for himself or his redeemer. One thing that Job has learned very personally is that there is no shortage of power on the part of this God. And so he's going to use that power in some way to accomplish something unforeseen and unheard of. And it's going to come through his goel. And thus, guys, if you look at it, it's in verse 20. If you still got your Bibles open, he says, my Redeemer lives, and thus so will I. Look at it. It's in verse 26. He says, and after my skin has been thus destroyed. By the way, the King James uses the language when it's been eaten by the worms. Bad, nobody has a King James anymore. <laughs> but he says, after my skin has been thus destroyed, look, yet in my flesh. Wait a minute. His skin has been destroyed. He's been eaten by the worms. He got his flesh back. Guys, that's resurrection right there. I thought his flesh was gone. Well, it was. But somehow he got it back. When my skin drops off my bones, I will have someone do for me what Boaz did for Ruth. I have someone who will insert himself and he will come in between me, a sinner who deserves punishment, and the God who has an inflexible hatred of my sin. I know that my Redeemer lives. There will be someone to vindicate me when I die. My Goel, says Job, will use his wealth to deliver and restore me, an outcast. And though bankrupt myself, my Goel has plenty. He has plenty of exactly what I need. For Ruth, she needed food. For Job, he needed a mediator. The famine that threatened to sweep him away will never touch me, says Job. Why? Because I know I know that my Goel is going to stand between me and perishing. I know that my Goel will mediate for me. And though there is no 
there is no reason for Jesus Christ to give me the time of day. Jesus Christ looks at his people and he says, I have fallen head over heels in love with you. He looks at his people and says, I have fallen head over heels in love with you. And then Job says, my, my heart faints within me. The very notion that my Goel loves me. My heart faints within me. And ladies and gentlemen, I grant you that Job did not have the kind of New Testament data that we have. Job had a goel just like Ruth. Ruth's goel's name was Boaz. In the name of Job's Goel is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who will insert himself into a situation where I cannot afford to stand in the presence of God on my own. And so my Goel brings all of his resources. And, him, and inserts himself. You see, guys, what Boaz did for Ruth and what Job's Redeemer does for him Jesus Christ does for us. How can that be? How can one as undeserving as I am have, have a redeemer who buys me out of my poverty and pays for my debts and frees me from the bondage that I'm in? I can tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, Ruth was asking the same kind of questions. There is no reason why Jesus, Jesus should look twice at this filthy, rebellious breed called mankind. But he steps in. He inserts himself. And he provides redemption. Why? Because he has fallen head over heels in love.
with us. Jesus, who has resources galore, and all of those resources are placed at my disposal. His resources become mine. Like Boaz's resources became Ruth's. And he looks at his people and says, you have stolen my heart. This word goel, it is an indescribably sweet and wild word with kind of a gospel ring to it. It's a, it's a delicious word, a passionate word, a word that, that, that smacks of chains falling off or, or finding a buried treasure or the excitement of attending a, a wedding reception. And with all that flooding his consciousness, Job is overwhelmed and says, oh, that my heart faints within me because Job realizes that my Goel lives. And so does mine. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the message of Easter. Can you say that? This Redeemer that stands between a sinful man and a holy God, that Redeemer is my Redeemer. Can you say that? That He's my own personal Redeemer, summarized in that that small little possessive pronoun, my. Gang, this statement in Job 19 is Job's own personal Easter assertion. I know, he says, not hope so. I will tell you this, my friend, that ifs and buts and perhaps... They are killers of peace and comfort when you're in a situation similar to Job's. My friends, you must not die with question marks. You must die with exclamation points. When my skin is gone, then what? Job says, I know that in my flesh, look, he got it back. That is resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to get it back. And then I'm going to see him. I'm not going to see some pearly gates or golden streets. No, no, no. I'm going to see God who is the sum and substance of heaven. Job believed in his own resurrection, though he had far less information at his disposal than we do. But he knows that 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 resurrection that he expected is all made possible by the sinner's 
go well. The very graves will open their mouths and the dead will spring out of them. Being loved by and married to. Their Goel. And his name is Jesus. Folks, if you're about to die, and Job thought he was about to die, and you think God is angry with you, how did Job cope? This is how. He fixed his mind on the Goel, the Redeemer, who lives. And because my Redeemer lives, so must I. My friends, what great good fortune is ours. The resources of Jesus Christ have fallen into our laps. It is Jesus Christ who is the final refuge to the believer. You know, guys, maybe, perhaps it's no coincidence. Maybe it is. I I, I can't say. Perhaps it is no coincidence that there's a that the word goel comes remarkably close to another little word that contains the promise of resurrection in it too. It's the word gospel or gospel. And here's the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And when the skin has fallen from your bones, you will stand in your flesh, resurrected, and see him. That's Easter. Our Father, I do pray that you will use this portion of your word to um, awaken the hearts of your people. Might, they, might their souls faint like Job's fainted. Might, their, might our souls uh, realize the profundity of what we've just read and been taught, not by the preacher but by, his, by the word. Would you make this truth stand out from this text and might it be a solace to your people might we all know the same thing that Job knew that our redeemer lives and because he does so will we do that father for Jesus sake